Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is board certified in family medicine, received her Bachelor of Arts degree with a major in biology, a minor in chemistry from Texas A&M University College Station, Texas. That's the, uh, the big one, the real one, some would say. She earned her medical degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. Dr. Charles completed her family residency at the Corpus Christi Spahn Memorial Hospital in Corpus Christi, Texas. And we're delighted. In fact, Dr. Charles, we're going to jump down to Corpus Christi in just a couple of moments. Uh, let's talk a little bit, though, about uh, the impact of COVID-19 on your practice and across this community. Uh, the Omicron variant is still very much here. It's surging right now, Ron. Um, we are seeing quite a few cases. Um, I will say for most people that are vaccinated and boosted, the symptoms, although not like non-existent, but they, they are a little bit milder. Um, but even so, I have had several of my patients that have ended up hospitalized and we've lost a couple of patients these past couple of weeks um, due to complications from COVID. Um, I will say the majority of my patients that have become significantly ill have been uh, people with a lot of chronic conditions, um, people with like autoimmune conditions, but it's it's sneaky and it's everywhere. Um, we're seeing it a lot in, in the schools and the children um, in our staff. We've had a lot of people out because of the COVID-19, which makes it difficult to see our patients, you know, in a timely fashion. So there's been a lot of impact in the last several weeks due to the COVID-19. We know very often when people are hospitalized, uh, they sometimes need blood transfusions. And one of the topics mm -hmm. we're going to take up now as we introduce our very special guest is exactly that. Who should and why should people donate blood? Uh, Christy Alamon joins us. She's a nurse practitioner at the Wellman at Greenwood Clinic in Corpus Christi, earned her nurse practitioner degree from Texas Tech University Health Science Center, and she earned her doctorate degree in nursing practice from Texas A&M University in Corpus Christi. Christy is board certified in adult gerontology and acute care nurse practitioner. And Christy, we are delighted to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us on Wellman Radio. Right. Thank you, Ron, and thanks, Dr. Charles. Yeah, um, so I've been doing this quite a while and I'm really uh, thrilled to be able to speak about this today because um, there, there is a, a horrible um, blood shortage right now. It's actually the worst we've seen in over a decade. Um, and of course, as you know, there's no substitute for blood. We can't make it, we can't, you know, manufacture it. It just has to be given out of the goodness of our hearts. Well, talk to us a little bit, Christy, about uh, who should donate. I think the why is pretty clear because it's desperately needed. Uh, it's needed all the time, but now more than ever. Uh, but who can and who should donate? So um, most everyone can donate, of course, if, if you recently had COVID um, or if you don't know which vaccine you were given, um, we do recommend that you wait at least two weeks without symptoms 
um, or until after that uh, vaccine before you donate. Um, the other two, I guess, major players are if you have type O positive blood, um, type O negative blood, those are really, um, type O positive is the most transfused blood type and O negative, that's the universal, um, like if someone has an accident and they go to the ER, there's no time to type and screen them to give them blood. Um, what they're gonna reach for is O negative to give you because that's safe for any individual. And if you, no matter what your type is, you won't reject O negative. Yeah, O negative is safe for everyone, but there's that's usually always the one that's the shortest. Now, what about age? There are some folks who think, uh, and, and in my own case at age 79, people think, well, you know, I got old, tired blood. Nobody wants my blood. We do. We want your blood. <laughs> <laughs> we do want we it. We want it's your true. blood. We want your plasma. We want your platelets. We want all of it. Um, like I said, unless you've got, you know, some active disease or something that's really um, taking your immune system down. Of course, if you're getting chemotherapy or, you know, anything like that, then of course that's not safe and you need to speak with your primary care provider for about that. But really besides that, um, you know, it's okay. You just, you know, hydrate before they do do a few checks on you to make sure your blood pressure is stable. You know, you're not sick. You're not showing signs of an infection. But other than that, no, we, we want your old blood. Stay with me just a minute. I've got a bunch of questions along that line. If you've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And we're talking with Christy Alamon. She is a nurse practitioner at the WellMed at Greenwood Clinic in Corpus Christi, Texas. And we're talking about uh, what is a desperate need really all over the country for blood donations. And, and, and Christy, what about medications that people may be on? Uh, they could be on blood thinners. They could be on uh, blood pressure medications. They could be on all kinds of different medications. Uh, are, are those a counterindication to give blood? Uh, so just blood pressure medications, usually not. That's not a contraindication. There are some blood thinners um, just because of how strong they are that you might not want to give blood. You would just need to check with your doctor to see if they recommend that or not. Um, but, you know, most of the people out there are not going to be on medications that would prohibit them from, from giving blood. And then you had mentioned platelets and plasma, uh, and I'm not sure most of us understand the differences in how you can donate that. Whole blood is that uh, you know, your blood running into a tube and into a bag. What are platelets and plasma? So platelets are what we use, our body uses to um, make blood clots. Um, so the platelets are very critical for a lot of patients who are undergoing like chemotherapy. They have cancer, um, traumatic injuries, and they're bleeding out. Um, so for a platelet donation, you actually... This is one other thing, you have to have both arms available. So say a patient with a mastectomy really wouldn't be advised to do this because both arms have to be, have needles in them. Um, and there's a process that goes out one arm and then goes through the other. So that's when they're only drawing the platelets out. So it's a little bit more complicated. And then plasma, that's through like a plasmapheresis and that's just one arm. So that's a little bit different. Um, but same thing, the blood goes out, it goes through machine, and then it only takes out the plasma and it gives you everything else back. And when you give whole blood, uh, how much are you giving and, and can you afford 
to lose that amount of blood. Yes. Uh, when you donate blood, it's usually only maybe, I think, 10% of the total blood you have in your body. Um, and when you do the whole blood, it will usually, you donate about two units of plaque with blood cells, which is usually about the how much um, a patient needs, like say if they're anemic and they need a little bit of blood, we usually transfuse two units at a time. And then how quickly, and Dr. Charles, I'm sure you know this, how quickly do you build back the blood that you gave out? How well, quickly are you back to normal? <clears throat> I mean, your bone marrow is constantly working. You know, you're constantly creating new red blood cells. In fact, your body replaces its whole amount of red blood cells about every three months. So, um, which is about how long a red blood cell will live. So if you're not anemic and you're healthy and strong, you will replace it very quickly. Um, usually within a couple weeks. And Christy, when you take a look at uh, your patient population, I think I heard you say there's no real age limit uh, on who can give blood. Uh, do you encourage your patients to do that? Yes, I do encourage them, um, especially if they know their blood type and if they're, like I said, O positive or O negative. One of the more rare blood types I, I do um, recommend that if they have the opportunity and if they feel good, Yes, if they will please donate. And would that be, Dr. Charles, in your medical charts, uh, people's blood types? So if you say to me, if I were your patient, hey, Ron, what's your blood type? I happen to know I'm O positive. But if I didn't know, would it be in my records? You know, not necessarily. Um, I certainly get a lot of patients that come in and we don't routinely check blood types um, unless there's a concern or a question. Um, definitely a patient who has required a blood transfusion in the past um, may be aware of their blood type. And I know a lot of the um, blood donation places will tell you what your blood type is if you um, go and donate blood. We definitely check everybody that is pregnant um, for their blood types when we are um, doing the evaluation for pregnancy because of possible incompatibilities. So that's very important at that time in your life. So, you know, I, you know, most women, if they ask if they have had kids, may have been told what their blood types were um, during that time. But for, um, for most of my male patients, we don't specifically check unless there's a need. Isn't that something that might be smart to add to people's records? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but uh, again, if, if you're going to go and donate, they're going to check. And how difficult is it uh, to check what your blood type is? It can't be that complicated. No. Well, I mean, it's part of the routine testing that is done when you do donate blood. Right. Um, but there's even kits that you can buy online to find out what your blood type is um, that are relatively easy. It just requires a little card and a few drops of blood and some and a reagent. Huh. But um, you can put I you know, we've we've done it before because my kids were curious and we wanted to to check. And so we just bought them on Amazon, little blood oh, that's cool. kits. And yeah, they're really easy. And you poke them with a needle and squeeze a little blood out. Mm -hmm. A couple drops is all it huh. takes. Christy, have you ever done that? I have not done that one. I know what blood type I am. I'm O positive. Um, I've never done an at-home one. I'll have to look now, into if that. If you take a look at mm -hmm. uh, people who may need blood, we talked about, uh, for example, pregnant women uh, who may lose blood uh, during delivery or people during a surgery 
uh, may get, uh, you know, you don't want it to happen, but may get an artery nicked uh, and lose blood. Uh, who are the others who might need blood, Christy? Um, so we say um, injuries, pregnant women, uh, people undergoing cancer treatments. Um, there, there was for a while a lot of um, like IVIG infusions being done for COVID patients that were pretty sick. Um, so that's another one. Um, also, just anyone in a, even a regular surgery, um, if you have like say a total nip or hip or total knee replacement, you're usually going to need at least one to two units of blood after that surgery. It's interesting. I had a total knee replacement. Uh, I remember them asking me on one of the forms, uh, am I uh, uh, agreeable to getting a blood transfusion, blood uh, uh, from a donor? Uh, I said yes, but I, I never asked afterwards if I got blood. I would imagine they would have told you, but... Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, but I was it out is, of it. So well, yeah. but when yeah. you woke up, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and not every single time, and but but those are always possibilities, and so you're always they always want to make sure that they have blood available. Sure, you know, with those types of procedures. Um, also, All right, stay you with know, me. We're gonna we're gonna come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, for those of you who just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and our special guest from Corpus Christi, Texas, the woman at Greenwood <laughs> Clinic in Corpus Christi. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Christy Alamon, who is a nurse practitioner. We appreciate you listening to us on WellMed Radio. Did you know people with Medicare may switch to Medicare Advantage plan with a rating of five stars anytime during the year? Plans are rated from one to five stars on how well they manage preventive care, such as screenings and immunizations, chronic conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and respiratory illnesses, and their customers' experience. Five-star plans don't cost more. For links to Medicare plan information and more, visit wellmed365.com. We're so pleased you were with us here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. Dr. Charles is a primary care physician. If you get to San Antonio, you can find her at the, one of the WellMed clinics, and I know she'd be happy to say hi to you, part of the uh, Maurice Charles fan club, and you can get a chance to say <laughs> hi to her as well. We're talking from the WellMed at Greenwood Clinic in Corpus Christi, Texas, with uh, Christy Aleman. Dr. Aleman is a nurse practitioner and we're talking about blood donations and why it's important. Uh, and Christy, as you take a look at your patient population, uh, which, uh, like Dr. Charles, is primarily Medicare-eligible patients, uh, again, uh, the misconception is you can't give blood if you're over a certain age. Uh, turns out not to be true. Uh, and, and I'm assuming when it comes to platelets and plasma, uh, almost anybody can give that as well. Yes, Ron, that's correct. Um, it's not a really age that's a determining um, factor or something that would deter you. It's more of just the overall health status. I mean, I have plenty of, you know, 85-year-olds that are 
their labs are perfect. I'm like, your labs are better than mine. You know, there's, mm-hmm. they get around great. They might be on two medications, you know, but then you've got some younger people that actually, you know, are immunocompromised and take multiple medications and uh, those patients wouldn't be a great fit, but so it's not really the age. It's more of just, you know, the overall health of the, of the person. Now you are board certified in adult gerontology. What led you into that field? Um, you know, I, I just like adults in geriatrics. Um, I like my kids, but I don't like treating children. <laughs> I prefer my elderly. I, they, they're just a lot nicer. You know, there's, I can fix them and, you know, they listen most of the time. Kids just don't listen. Uh, I, just, I just like my the adult gerontology uh, so much better. <laughs> and as we take a look at your patient population, how are they surviving COVID? You know, um, it's up and down here. I think with each variant that comes out, you know, we take dips again and our admissions go up. But I think it's getting better. You know, people are, you know, they're listening. They're staying home more. Um, they're getting vac- vaccinated, which is, you know, majorly important. And they're, they're staying up to date with that and making sure that they're, you know, they get their booster too. They're even proud. They're like, I got my booster. I got my booster. I'm like, great. And then they got their flu vaccine. So I think that that's really helping um, a lot. And for those who are wondering if you've just had a vaccine, whether it's flu or COVID-19, you can still be a blood donor. You can. Um, the only time you can't be a blood donor um, after COVID is if you received a live attenuated vaccine, which we really don't give, but there are some like in other countries, or if you're not sure what vaccine you got, but then you just need to wait two weeks. Is that vaccine you'd have to worry about? The the one, if you got a live attenuated. Oh, right. So, well, we don't do that here. No, no. So those are the only two. If you had the live one, or if you're not sure which one you got, you would just need to wait two weeks before donating blood. Or you're and saying what if about you had the vaccines. I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Charles, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, if you've had the active disease, like if you tested positive for COVID and were ill, then. Then you um, wait, same uh, two weeks after symptoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, flu vaccine, if you've had that, you can still That's donate. That's okay. Yes. Well, let's talk a minute about the flu vaccine itself. Uh, Dr. Charles, with all the attention on COVID-19, I think some folks are, are, are perhaps neglecting getting that flu vaccine. You know, with the influenza, um, you know, that's something that we recommend every year. And the thing about flu is that it is seasonal. Now, last year in 2020, 2021 flu season, we saw very little cases of flu, I think, because people were masking and being very diligent with their hand sanitizing, um, which was- And we weren't going anywhere. We weren't going anywhere. We were staying home. And so the flu did not get transmitted. It's not quite as infectious or or contagious as the COVID is. But this last year, we've seen lots of people that are back out and about in the world, maskless. Um, And so we are starting to see some cases of influenza again. The vaccine is a great idea. We're still right in the middle of flu season currently, which is um, we're in January. Um, so we do recommend getting a flu shot this year as well, um, for that extra protection, because it's not impossible to get 
a case of COVID and influenza at the same time, which you can imagine would be devastating. That's a double whammy. Yeah. Wow. So not common, but not impossible. So, you know, wanting to prevent that. And it's not too late to get the flu vaccine is what you're saying. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, ideally, we want people to get their flu vaccines around September, October. That's usually a better time to get it, but it's not too late. Yeah. And what about a booster for the flu vaccine? You hear so much about getting that COVID-19 booster. Uh, We're not recommending that when it comes to flu. Not this year. I mean, there has been other years where we've had strange flu variants where we have needed to get boosters, you know, on, you know, a a second dose a month later, you know, there have been times where we've had to utilize that technique in order to really protect against the flu for that particular season, but it doesn't seem to be the case this year. Let's talk a little bit, Christy, about uh, folks who are going to donate. Uh, Maybe it's the first time for them. They are hearing about the need and the need is critical. Uh, Are there some things that people can do uh, to make that donation process easier? Um, I'd say just make sure, you know, you hydrate well before, of course, you know, you want to make sure you eat something, drink something so that your sugar's not dropping when you're sitting there. Um, Just make sure you're feeling good that day. Like you don't want to go donate blood on a day that you're feeling already under the weather or something like that, because that's just going to pull you more under. And I know some people suffer from psychosomatic issues where, Uh, If they think about giving blood, suddenly they get very dizzy and don't feel well. Uh, There's no real impact of actually giving blood, right? No, but they usually do want you to stay for a little bit. I mean, you've also been laying down flat for a few hours. So, you know, your blood pressure can drop when you get up like just a healthy person. So it's, like I said, hydrate before you go so that you're, you know, you're already replacing some of that volume that's coming off. And hydrate also helps the blood flow. If you're dehydrated, that blood is not going to drip out of that vein very quickly. And they'll have a harder time finding your vein also. Well, that's another thing. Uh, Somebody I know mentioned that they're married to someone who is very difficult to find a vein to put a needle in, a tough stick. Uh, and, And I'm assuming for the phlebotanist who is trying to find that vein, that can be a real challenge sometimes. Yeah. So that's why if you hydrate, though, um, it pumps your veins up very nicely. You prehydrate. So drink a bunch of water before you come in. You're not saying knock a beer back. <laughs> no, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> and when you do hydrate, it'll make it easier to find those veins. Easier to find the veins and then you'll just have it much easier time recovering because you've already started replacing, like I said, some of that volume that you're giving when you're donating the blood. The other thing is, and I want to go over this again, uh, why donate? Why is that so critical? So we cannot make blood. We can't manufacture it. So, but, you know, millions of people need blood every year. Um, actually every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood and or platelets. So if we don't give blood donated ourselves, there's nowhere to get it from. So it's really just helping one another. And when that cupboard's bare, I know the military has been experimenting for quite some time on developing an artificial blood, a blood replacement for use on the battlefield. 
But if I understand you correctly, we're not there yet. We are not there yet. No, there is no way to make blood, platelets, plasma. There's, there's no way. And this may be a question I'm not sure uh, that you can answer, but how long is that blood good on the shelf? Uh, so that if a bunch of people go in and give blood, uh, is that going to you know, hold the blood uh, donation program over for uh, several weeks or does the blood go bad? So the blood does go bad. Um, plasma, I think, is the shortest one. Uh, and that has to be used within five days, I believe, for platelets. And, and go ahead, Dr. Charles. No, well, but um, yeah, no, the, the blood donation, the thing is that there's such high turnover. You know, we're constantly um, having patients that come in, accidents, traumas, you know, where they're using the blood. So we need more blood. So well, the answer really is, isn't, yeah, there's right. not, the pro- be- it's not a problem yeah. leaving it on the shelf. It doesn't right. get left on the shelf, right? No, no, not very long. Wow. Well, we're getting a uh, cue to uh, say goodbye to everybody. Thank you, Dr. Charles. You have become so adept at giving me time cues. Dr. Christy Alamon, we thank you for being with us. Well met at Greenwood down in Corpus Christi. For Dr. Marisa Charles, I thank you for joining us. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon right here on WellMed Radio. Executive producers for WellMed Radio are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibera and Maurice Hudson. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.